leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Mesenchymal stem cells may be a powerful way to treat a range of medical conditions, but realizing the therapeutic potential of these cells has been hampered in part by the challenges of manufacturing a consistent product at scale. Sonata Therapeutics believes its platform technology addresses these challenges. The company's lead cell therapy candidate is being developed to treat graft-first-host disease, a potentially deadly response to the transplantation of cells from a donor. We spoke to Ross McDonald, CEO of Sonata, about the company's platform technology, the potential for these therapies, and the indications the company is pursuing. Ross, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, Danny. Nice to chat. We're going to talk about host-first graft disease, Sonata, and its stem cell platform for developing cell therapies on a commercial scale with consistency. You're working with mesenchymal stem cells. Perhaps we can start there. What makes these compelling for therapeutic use? Well, mesenchymal stem cells or mesenchymal stromal cells have been uh, under the microscope for a therapeutic application for uh, over a decade now, and there is an enormous amount of interest, not only in their general biological properties, but more specifically how those properties can be translated to therapeutic use. And as data has been collected uh, during that time, both uh, from the academic environment as well as the corporate environment, it's becoming increasingly clear that uh, therapeutically, this is a very, very powerful part of cell whose biology can now be harnessed in a wide range of therapeutic applications. Essentially, their ac activity is focused around an immunomodulatory capacity. And what that means in simple terms is that they have the ability to modulate the immune response uh, to allow the body's own repair and regenerative systems to overcome the forces that are causing degeneration and damage. So basically everything in, in life and in our bodies is a balance. And so what we're trying to do with MSC therapies is tip the balance back in favor of healthy uh, tissue growth and tissue regeneration in response to disease. What's the range of conditions these cells might have benefit in treating? Well, there's more than 900 clinical studies underway around the world using MSC. So as you can probably guess, there's a large number of different disease targets. Uh, 
that are the subject of those investigations, ranging from the very serious and very widespread diseases that face our societies and economies today, like heart disease and stroke, all the way through to perhaps some of the more obscure diseases, uh, such as, for instance, baldness. Uh, they're, they're being investigated in baldness and, and a range of other conditions as well that, that represent less perhaps um, commercially interesting but nonetheless biologically fascinating applications of NSC. So definitely the big targets are under investigation as well as uh, some smaller ones. And, and in fact, our own uh, program in graft versus host disease is a relatively small economic target, a big unmet medical need, but nonetheless not a, not a great uh, commercial opportunity. But it does allow us to move forward into other clinical targets, which of course uh, represent much more attractive economic opportunities for the company and our shareholders. I know that one of the challenges that companies hoping to commercialize these cells as therapies faced was that they had to isolate them from donated tissue. What were the consequences of that? Well, you, you really hit the nail on the head, but the, the challenge in manufacturing these cell-based therapies is very significant. But it, it's, it's a challenge that the technology faces in many, many different industries. And that is the perception and identification of a, a market need or a market opportunity and the ability of technology to successfully address that. And, and you know, for instance, we think back to when man first wanted to explore the moon and, and uh, the first step, of course, was to, to build a, uh, a vessel, spaceship, that would ensure that astronauts could get to the moon uh, and, and then back again safely. And so we face the same thing with the uh, cell therapy opportunity, and that is an ability to uh, manufacture sufficient quantities of cells for uh, industrialization, as well as uh, to um, ensure we have a robust and safe product. And so the, the approach that has been successful so far to investigate the biology of MSCs has been, as you pointed out, to isolate the cells from donor-derived tissue. And that's typically a bone marrow aspirate or adipose tissue as the primary sources. There are other tissues as well that, that can be used. But because these cells are so scarce in those tissues, not only do you, do you have to have a very effective and efficient purification process, you also have to uh, cause the isolated cells that, that you've derived from, from that tissue to multiply, to expand. And, and um, that for cell culture scientists is usually not a big hurdle, but we are talking vast numbers here, and it, and it becomes you know, a straight mathematical equation. Typically, 20,000 or so MSCs might be isolated from one bone marrow donor or one bone marrow donation. But a typical dose of an MSC therapeutic product is around 100 million cells per patient. So the numbers start to become staggering. And so, you, you know, one has to go from 20,000 to 100 million just to manufacture one dose, let alone the thousands or hundreds of thousands or potentially even millions of doses that are required to satisfy worldwide demand for a major disease target. And that just becomes unfeasible. It's a, it's a little bit, you know, to use another analogy, it's a little bit like, you know, to 
discovering uh, gold underneath uh, the White House. I mean, it's kind of so what? You know, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And our technology provides a uh, second-generation manufacturing solution that is far more industrializable than the approach for uh, that has been used so far, and that is to use donors as the source of material. You've developed a platform for generating cell-based therapies. What is it and how does it work? We use a starting material called an IPSC. Uh, that's an induced pluripotent stem cell. The discovery which uh, resulted in a Nobel Prize being awarded to the inventor, Professor Shinji Yamanaka, from Japan back in 2012. But in parallel, but just a few days behind, were the scientists uh, at the University of Wisconsin, including Professor James Thompson, who are among the inventors of our technology. And the IPSC approach allows us to completely eliminate the need for multiple donors. Of course, being a living cell product, there has to be a human donor at some point. But in the case of IPSCs, that's one donor, one time. Now, IPSCs have a range of of important and unique properties. Uh, many of those properties render iPSCs very similar to embryonic stem cells, or ES cells as they're known in the, in the science. And of course, embryonic stem cells are derived from embryos, and they have been the mainstay of research and in some cases product development in the cell therapy area for more than 15 uh, years. And, however, they are associated with considerable controversy uh, because they uh, involve the destruction of an embryo uh, to, to produce them. And in many religious uh, beliefs, that's an abhorrent act. And so with that um, background of controversy, obviously ES cells represent a challenging source of material, whereas IPSCs do not have that uh, controversial element but have all of the... Um, uh, useful properties that ES cells have, one of which is an ability to reproduce themselves essentially infinitely, in other words, forever, meaning that one can manufacture a very, very large quantity of starting material for the finished product from an IPS cell line. And that means, in our case, that we have a consistent and reproducible product that is always exactly the same every time the product and this is a phenomenon that is being exploited not only by Sonata in the production of therapeutic MSCs, but also by many other companies that have recognized the unique properties and power of IPSCs for the derivation of their own particular type of cell therapy product. For example, companies such as Blue Rock, which are using IPSCs to manufacture a certain type of neuronal cell, which can be used potentially to treat Parkinson's disease. So the discovery of IPSCs not only has provided uh, a, uh, the catalyst for our technology and our company, but also many, many others. And we're now seeing IPSCs being investigated in a wide variety of potential therapeutic applications, not just in our case with MSCs. Was there great variability in the quality of cells produced from donors? Yes. Every donor is different. It's it's a it's an unassailable phenomenon of being uh, individuals. Some people have blue eyes, some people have brown eyes, some people are tall, some people are short. 
and everybody's MSCs are different as well. And that's well established in the literature that MSCs isolated from different donors have different properties. And in, in fact, MSCs isolated from the same donor at different times, so, you know, week two, three, four uh, weeks apart, often have very different properties as well because during that time perhaps the individual has been exposed to an infectious agent and their body is responding to that. So what that means is that MSCs isolated from different donors are different. And in the eyes of regulatory agencies around the world, you simply can't have that inconsistency in a pharmaceutical product. I mean, one of the cardinal rules of the pharmaceutical industry is that the uh, uh, ultimate commercial product has to be consistent so that every time the patient, the doctor, the caregiver uh, uses the product, they can uh, have a, an expected and reproducible outcome, obviously, you know, and, and that's impossible if we're dealing with different MSCs. Well, let's talk about graft-first host disease, the indication for your lead clinical candidate. What is it? How common is it? And how serious is it? We uh, chose graft-versus host disease as the first clinical indication for testing our Cimeris MSC technology in human beings. And as you would be well aware, that was preceded by a range of preclinical studies which confirmed that our uh, product uh, was likely uh, to be safe and effective in humans. So that allowed us to move forward into a phase one clinical study in the United Kingdom in patients who had graft-versus-host disease. Now that's a bit of a mouthful, but it's, it's a condition that arises in patients typically who have uh, been diagnosed with some form of leukemia and as part of their treatment require a bone marrow transplant. And in many instances, those transplants uh, proceed without a hitch, and the patient uh, proceeds very, very well following that. However, in a proportion of patients, and it is a, a, fortunately a rare condition, in a proportion of patients, the bone marrow is not um, perfectly matched or effectively matched with the patient, the recipient. And unfortunately, in those cases, we end up with a condition called graft-versus-host disease, or GVHD for short. And essentially what is happening is the name of that condition implies is that the donor bone marrow, which represents basically the entire immune system, the donor's bone marrow reacts against the patient whose immune system by this time, of course, has been wiped out. And... It's basically a recognition of, I'm not in the right place, this is foreign tissue all around me, I'm going to react against it. And that reaction can be very, very severe, resulting ultimately in the death of the patient. In some patients, uh, treatment with corticosteroids is effective and the treatment, rem the uh, condition remits sufficiently for the patient to, uh, to um, uh, recover. However, a significant proportion of those patients end up with what's called steroid resistance, uh, GVHD, which basically means uh, that there is no other medical option for treating the condition. So these are, uh, as I said, a very, very significant unmet medical need. And ultimately, uh, the outcome is fatal, typically um, within a, a couple of years. And it's a progressive disease. It just gets worse and worse, and the patient's uh, life during that time is, is very, very very, very miserable. 
So we uh, commenced a, a clinical study, as I mentioned, in, in uh, 15 patients with this condition uh, for whom there was essentially no other option. And the primary uh, goal of this study, as it is with any phase one, is to investigate the safety of the product. And we were very pleased to see that there were no uh, safety concerns whatsoever. And that uh, uh, secondary endpoints, which of course look at the efficacy of the product, were extremely uh, successful. And we, um, in, in short, we saw a complete response in over half of the patients, that is, complete resolution of symptoms. Bearing in mind these patients are very, very sick when they come into the trial, um, typically in um, a critical care or even an intensive care setting. And to have a, a complete response or complete recovery is really outstanding. We saw um, more than 87% uh, of the patients were still alive at the conclusion of the study. Uh, one patient died of pneumonia, which is not unusual in patients with GVHD, and one patient withdrew from the study. So we weren't able to follow those two patients, of course, and um, uh, that, of course, resulted in, in less than 100% overall survival. But uh, otherwise, um, we saw nearly 90% of the patients uh, still alive at the conclusion of the study. So, uh, in short, uh, this study confirmed uh, the safety of our product and also gave a very, very clear indication of efficacy, allowing the company then to move forward to further clinical studies, not only in GVHD, but in other areas as well. How well understood is the mechanism of action? And, and this, of course, is, is, a, is the subject of an enormous amount of investigation around the world to try and understand exactly how these cells work. And one of the challenges with cell therapies is exactly that, that unlike a drug, which um, you can kind of, to a large extent, pinpoint exactly how it's working, a living cell, of course, is, is at, at any one point in time, maybe working slightly differently than it works the day before or that it works in a couple of days' time because it's responding to its environment, as cells do, particularly cells of the immune system, where they react to uh, the circumstances in which they find themselves by interacting with their neighboring cells and with distant cells by the use of chemical messengers like cytokines, as they're called, and other processes. So the investigation on the mechanism of action of, of MSCs has focused on, on how they do communicate with their neighbors. And one thing has become increasingly apparent with that research is that MSCs don't integrate into the patient's cell or, or tissues. Um, and they, in other words, they don't engraft. Unlike, for example, if, if a patient has a, a heart transplant or a kidney transplant, of course, that, that heart, the transplanted heart then, um, you know, becomes part of the patient's organ system. In the case of MSCs, that certainly doesn't appear to be the case. They um, basically have a, a hit-and-run mechanism, uh, which seems to be uh, centered around the uh, um, chemical messengers that the MSCs manufacture uh, with their neighbors, which signals to their neighbors either to calm down the inflammatory response or to start regenerating healthy new tissue. and. This is, of course, the, the basis of, of uh, tissue regeneration and growth in the body in normal circumstances, and that is the response to various signals and messages that, that occur in our body 
to turn various processes on or off, as the case may be. So MSCs produce a wide variety of, of immunomodulatory cytokines. That's well known. They produce little packets of uh, chemical messengers called exosomes that circulate through the blood system and uh, interact with distant tissues. Uh, so uh, there's an, uh, a lot of information about the mechanism of action, but no one really yet has pinpointed exactly how it is that they work. And that's led to almost a, a kind of a flippant phrase out there at the moment that MSC actually stands for medicine secreting cell, um, which which is a, is quite an accurate description, but obviously it's not intended to be a serious one. What's the clinical path forward? For Sonata, the clinical path forward uh, is to continue our GVHD program, and we have a collaboration with a Japanese company called Fujifilm that is very, very active in the cell therapy and regenerative medicine space, as many Japanese pharmaceutical and industrial companies are. Uh, so we will go forward to phase two with um, in that collaboration, assuming it all goes uh, to plan. And then in Japan, at least, if we undertake a phase two clinical trial, we have the opportunity at that point to seek marketing authorization. There is a, a fast track approval system in uh, the Japanese uh, regulatory environment that allows cell therapy products to come to market and be launched at the end of a successful phase two, which really is a, a profound change to the regulatory framework for this type of product, but reflects the um, Japanese government's uh, foresightedness when it comes to bringing new and effective therapies to market, particularly for uh, chronic uh, diseases of aging, such as osteoarthritis and uh, heart disease, stroke and so on, that, that represent major economic challenges for uh, Japan as well as many other developed nations. So that's the GVHD program. We also anticipate commencing a phase two clinical study in osteoarthritis within the next 12 months. This will be one of the largest MSC studies ever undertaken, 450 or so patients with osteoarthritis in Australia, and that's being supported by the Australian government's peak research funding body, NHMRC. So a very uh, great opportunity for Sonala because, of course, uh, for us to conduct such a study it would be extremely expensive. And then the third program that we are moving forward with is in a condition called critical limb ischemia, or CLI, which is an area that's, that's received quite a bit of um, in, uh, attention for MSC-based therapeutics. It's a condition that typically arises in obese and inactive people who um, end up with very, very poor circulation to their extremities, particularly their legs. And uh, that results in, in uh, their legs at its sort of most mild form, a bit of swelling in the legs, and at its most severe form, uh, severe ulcers and ultimately amputation of the lower limb. And this, of course, represents a big unmet medical need as well. A very challenging condition, particularly in societies that, you know, basically are embracing too much junk food and, and uh, high uh, sugar drinks and so on that leads to this condition through typically through type 2 diabetes as well. So in all, three phase 2 programs are on our radar at the moment, and we have a range of very successful preclinical studies um, completed now in other conditions such as uh, cardiovascular disease, 
uh, in pulmonary disease and other areas as well, which provide a kind of very good database for the company to go forward either alone or through partnership in other areas as well. As you look at these other indications, does the therapy differ from indication to indication, or are you using the same cells prepared in the same way? Yeah, the, the therapy does differ. For example, in, in the case of GVHD, the product was administered via an intravenous infusion, whereas for critical limb ischemia, the product will be delivered in the trial, at least in uh, through intramuscular injection. So quite a different uh, uh, approach to delivering the product and a different approach also to assessing the outcome as well. You have a collaboration with Fujifilm around uh, graft-first-host disease. They were supposed to be at a decision point on licensing the therapy after the completion of the Phase one study. That decision has been delayed by six months. Why is that? Well, yes, that's right. They were due to have uh, exercised their option in April of this year, and we were certainly looking forward to uh, that proceeding because the, the basis on which they were making their decision to proceed was, of course, the completion of the clinical study, which, as I mentioned before, was a very, very successful study. So there were no issues whatsoever with the trial. Ultimately, however, Fujifilm just needed more time uh, to complete their review and to finalise the definitive licence agreement. And rather than us you know, flexing our muscle and saying, well, your 90 days are up, uh, we're going alone, um, it seemed uh, that would be rather foolhardy on our part, given the very good... Um, uh, incentive that uh, Fujifilm had to keep going. You know, they were very, very keen, certainly have been in the media themselves promoting this product as one of the flagships of their regenerative medicine strategy. Uh, a clear commitment from them was evident, and so you know, why not give them a little more time? Obviously, investors were concerned about that and, and felt that, you know, there maybe was some risk, but as we pointed out uh, to those investors, if Fujifilm hadn't liked what they had seen uh, in terms of the clinical study or anything else, for that matter, relating to the product or the technology, they could easily have just simply walked away and avoided the embarrassment or any issues associated with kind of dragging it out any longer. And, of course, that was not the case. They uh, were very happy with what they had seen. They just needed a little more time. So, as I said, rather than cut off our nose despite our face, we felt it appropriate to extend that period and to continue to work with them to complete the deal, which is exactly what's underway at the moment. We, are, we have an intensive uh, uh, engagement with uh, Fujifilm and, and with our head licensor, WARF, the Wisconsin Alumni Research Foundation, to finalise all aspects of that deal and move forward uh, with the Phase 2 program and beyond. And when do you expect a decision now from Fuji? Uh, well, I wish I had my crystal ball out for, for answering that, but um, I have dealt with uh, many different partners over my career, and um, I've learned that it's very uh, foolhardy to try and estimate when the other side is going to complete their assessment or review or run through their management process to finalise a deal. And yes, you can put some hard dates in there, but it often doesn't um, pan out that way. So rather than commit to a date uh, specifically, I point to the fact that we have given uh, Fujifilm an extra six months, so that takes it out to September of this year, so uh, we certainly hope that it will 
occur, the close of the deal will occur before September, but I certainly won't be uh, committing to a specific date at this stage. Ross McDonald, CEO of Sonata. Ross, thanks so much for your time. That's a pleasure, and uh, very, very nice to talk to you, Danny. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.